The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello! Welcome to episode 7 of our amazing Slate Money Succession Recap podcast. This is one close to my heart because I'm English, of course, and most of the episode takes place in England. And my favorite character, the mum, comes on, who we have to talk about. Um, anyway, I am Felix Salmon of Axios. I'm here with two counter- better get this right, two Felix. members of the... HuffPost team. Well done, Felix. <laughs> Yay. I got it right. There's Emily Peck. Hello. Who writes about, well, what's called beat at HuffPost? Um, let's say gender and economics. Gender and economics. And then we have the one and only Lydia Polgreen who runs the entire thing. It's true. Congratulations on being Emily's boss. I, I Lydia's very, my boss's 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 boss. I feel very <laughs> lucky to be Emily's boss. She's terrific. Um, but Lydia... You didn't just come here to talk about succession. You brought your wife. I did. And, um, uh, well, we can introduce you. Candy, introduce yourself. Candy, fight. Wife of Lydia. Wife of Lydia. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, photographer, artist. And photographer, artist. And we really wanted you because, A, you're awesome. But, B, you put this tweet out, which... June Thomas, the queen of all things Slate podcast, circulated immediately to the entire crew where you said that Succession is the queerest show on TV. It is. And so... I, I, I believe it is. You believe it is. Even even after this episode, which is probably the most heterosexual episode of Succession ever. It is. Um, Once again. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to talk about all of this. So I can't wait to get stuck in... Emily, you're the one who always has, like, a structure in mind. Yes. Uh, Okay. Well, this episode is called Return, and in this episode, we return to London, the scene of the crime, and it's also a homecoming of sorts for the Roy Roy boys and girl to see their terrible anorexic mother. Is that a good summary? Um, Is she anorexic? Oh, we, I can talk about that for a long time. Well, I mean, can you? Can we? Mention, yeah, talk about that. I mean, so when Logan is talking to Kendall and Roman about how they're going to have to go and you know bribe their mother so she doesn't you know take her shares elsewhere, he asks in passing, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna go see your mom? How? What's that dinner going to be like?" And Roman says something like, "What is it? I don't know." Something about three trout and yeah, fill up on mustard. It's three muddy trout for six. <laughs> And some Philip on mustard. And this, like, I've never seen Logan squeal with delight before the way he does in reaction. And then when they do get finally to the dinner, she comes out with this dish of pigeon and says, you know, be careful when you eat that. It has shot in it and oh, and some feathers. And the implication is this woman does not eat. She's very thin and she doesn't feed her children because she's not very maternal either. Well, but I was thinking and they ate eating disorder. And they ate before. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think I think to me, and there's so much to unpack with the mother. It's it's it, and there's the literal starvation, but I think more importantly, the the, the metaphorical starvation. <laughs> yes, and also some callbacks, right? I mean, you have this moment in the episode where Logan sort of semi apologizes to Roman for slugging him in the face. It's well, not something I do. It's not something I do, and and sort of, pre- and then Roman kind of just doesn't know what to do, so he like, starts babbling about how there are so many buildings. 
from cars. <laughs> but I thought that the fact that the mother warns uh, Roman to watch out uh, while eating this was sort of a callback to his teeth yes. being broken by <laughs> his lose father. You know, and it's just, it, it, I just thought, oh my gosh, these people, uh, these poor, I mean, poor, they're horrible humans, but they're really fucked both ways. I mean, you can really see in this episode how unloved these these adult children are. I mean, that heartbreaking scene where Kendall just wants to talk to his mommy and like confess his sins to her and she will not let him talk to her. She will not let him. She won't. She says, oh, of, of course, uh, uh, let's get into it. But she doesn't, you know, sit down at the table with him. She keeps eating. What is she eating? I'm obsessed with what this woman is eating. Oh, so I, there's a great <laughs> line, actually, to, apropos her anorexia, which I didn't pick up on, but now I realize is is totally a thing. Um, when she brings out the the pigeon to the table and um, there's like some grumbling about the pigeon and she's like well you don't want a great bolus of gubbins oh yeah what can you translate that <laughs> what does that mean yeah, what is that I, it's it's very english it's it basically just means a whopping great bowl of stuff but <laughs> bolus of gubbins i mean someone wrote that and just had so much fun writing that line well look kendall's Gone to the pub, apparently, so I've just had a little bit of pigeon done. Didn't think anyone would be feeling terribly hungry. I know I'm not. No, right. Don't want to get... Of course not. Bolus of gubbins. Take a plate. Thank you. Catch. So, how are you? I might just as well ask you if you're going to go into all that. Uh, it was... Wasn't intended as an aggressive question, Mom. It's no, I'm fine. Rory's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, shall I be mother? Yeah, why don't you give it a go? Huh? <laughs> yes, well, I'm sorry. It's not a 48-ounce T-bone steak with truffle fries, but. There we go. Some of us don't want coronary heart attacks. It's nice, Ma. It's nice. There's quite a lot of shot in the pigeon, so mind how you go. You'll crack a tooth. And the shot can take a bit of feather in, too. Mm. Shot and feather. Well, and also the contempt that she clearly had for American excess. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, this is not a, what would you rather have? A, a 96 ounce ribeye with uh, truffle fries. The Just truffle fries, you know, yeah. I would rather have that. Um, and I, 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 I do like a bit of pigeon, but, <laughs> but the, the truffle fries are a sick burn. They're like, what? What is more basic billionaire than truffle fries? <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're pretty basic. Right. Yeah, <laughs> basic billionaire or basic dozenaire. What did you think about speaking of parents who don't love their children? The move that uh, Logan pulled with Kendall, forcing him to go back to you know to visit the parents. He pulls move after move. Like first of all, he's He's like, you you need to sort of come with me to the house. And then that's the point at which Kendall goes from being a vaguely self-respecting number two who's come back from the broken robot of episode one to just completely falling apart in front of your eyes. And then he just pushes it even further because he's Logan and then forces him to go into the house. And that kind of gratuitous cruelty is... It's with, I think we're seeing more and more of the gratuitously cruel Logan in this season and the way that he just 
messes with his kids because he can. Well, and I think that there was an interesting almost building up of Kendall in the first part of the episode. You know, we see him look more human and normal. I mean, what's more human and normal for a, you know, early 40s man than to send a dick pic to uh, the woman he's trying to... Okay, can I just ask about this? Because I am old and I kind of predate the era of dick pics. But like... Is it normal for someone, for like a woman, to really beg some guy to send her a dick pic? I mean, you're here I, with. I, I'm not sure we're the right <laughs> audience to answer that question. I feel like the, the, the two lesbians extreme, and a married lady, extreme lesbians, <laughs> heterosexual Jasmine, Jasmine, <laughs> can you help us? <laughs> I was like, no. oh, he's not on the Wi-Fi. Like, why is it so broken up that phone call? <laughs> and like, he has to take a picture and send. Billionaires it to can't like, afford what, Wi-Fi. Like, yeah. You know, what? What's happening? That's so what's true. The though the, the episode starts with a very pumped up Kendall literally showing his dick to his new fancy girlfriend and ends with him in a very bad place. Well, and, and there was this great line um, and you know you don't often get funny lines from Kendall but there was this great line uh, where he says um, and he, he he seems to almost have trouble getting it out and he's surprised that he's being funny but he says what are we an octopus giving reach arounds to every fish on the reef now? <laughs> and um, you know when when the suggestion is that, that they go to the UK and I thought oh this is very but, un-Kendall. Yeah. No, but that's that, so true. True. Oh right, yeah. It was very Romany. It was a very Roman line, Ramsey and I was like, no "Ooh, porn. Kendall's feeling himself," you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, and and it's almost like seeing that that his um that his. I mean, I think it's it's to me there's something really meaningful in the fact that it's after he discovers that that after Logan discovers that Kendall had spent the night with Naomi Pierce, right? That that's when it was he clearly decides. he was he was he was angry. He slams the door behind. He he kicks her out. He slams the door behind her. He's like, "Okay, now we need to." Brainstorm. He needs to make sure that he, that his son doesn't get to, you know, sit in a rowboat with Regent's Park with, um, in with a, Naomi in a Simon Pierce. and Garfunkel yeah, song. <laughs> it did seem like a total reaction to seeing Naomi that just pissed him off so much, and he later calls Kendall cuntstruck. Yes, which I thought was it, which old. is you know, I mean, talk about projection, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, there's lots of reasons to believe that Logan is a bit cuntstruck himself. Um, uh, we gotta pot, get into that. Can, can I? Can I also just mention? one of my favorite billionaire lines in the episode which is when Naomi walks in and Kendall goes she was in Venice for the Biennale so it was easy for her to pop over <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean once once you're in Europe anyway right yeah it's, it's just, just like hop hop on a plane or hop, something hop on the Private. G50 get yeah. on a Vaporetti and go to the airport <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so yeah so this whole relationship between Logan and Rhea which has been a bit mysterious up until now is still mysterious but maybe is is coming into a bit more focus yeah are they having sex it's never quite spelled out and even if they're not i was very impressed on how raya used it with shiv that was so evil it was uh you know because i mean it's almost more powerful if they're not actually having sex but the fact that they didn't spell it out um i thought was an interesting narrative choice well, look, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I just like you, and I, I, your father's a very appealing man, and I hope... No, it's fine. It's, no, it's good to check before you fuck someone's dad. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, do your due diligence, your paperwork. Do I need to sign, like, a release form, or... I feel like a total idiot, so congratulations. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. It's... No, because you play your cards pretty close. Oh, who says I have cards? But you okay? 
Uh, honestly, no. I feel like a flame-roasted, wood-fired dipshit. <laughs> yeah, I did the thing that I said I was never gonna do, and... No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <gasps> and Rhea, I mean, we all agree that Rhea is having sex or not having sex with Logan simply because she wants to be the next CEO of Waystar Royco. Like, that's where she, that's where her head is, is at. This is like, oh, she to- is like Dick Cheney-ing him right I know, now. totally. She's pulling mm-hmm. a Dick Cheney is yeah, exactly what like, I wrote in my notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, um, because by the end of the episode, I could come up with a short list like, of two or three. Yeah, short yeah. list Very of two Dick or Cheney. three. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I couldn't find anyone, except I really fit the bill for this. Well, it's clearly that, I mean, it's pretty obvious to both of them that they're talking about her and yeah. she's just, you know. They're just sort of playing playing a role. But I, I think it was very striking to me that Logan seemed sort of weak, out of it, not very sharp in their late night conversations. Like it, it was almost like he was making himself either intentionally or this is just a situation that he finds himself in. He's making himself vulnerable to this this person who's clearly a shark. I mean, she 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 picks right up on it and runs with it. But I was really struck with that scene when they're they're having um, whiskeys in that in the house in London where he, you know, is, is essentially kind of begging for her help. And, um, you know, she sort of says, oh, well, I'll, you want me to try and fix that for you? Um, and the way, the the plan that she comes up with is so weirdly evil and also weirdly improbable. I mean, I have to say that there are bits of, like this sort of middle bit of season two where I'm like, okay, I'm having a couple of issues here with, the writing like the verisimilitude or isn't isn't the or or the plotting or something Mm. like isn't the idea that logan could install his daughter as ceo of ps which is the company that he wants to buy like it would be so easy to paint that as something which she was doing for him for his sake and like would be great for him and like somehow it doesn't occur to Shiv to try and pull that move. Instead, she just kind of bursts into tears and goes, "Oh no, I've been double crossed by Rhea." It's like, huh? I, yeah, I found I found the way that Shiv just crumpled after that final confrontation with Logan to not be particularly believable for her character. But it also could be trying to illustrate the the point that Rhea was making was that she's not as smart as she thinks she is, and that there is this, um, you know. This this incredible magical power that her father has over her that in a way that she can you know, she, there are these the, a couple of great lines where she basically says I've put myself in a position that I never wanted to be in which is waiting around for my father's approval or permission or whatever and she's clearly lived her whole life never wanting to be in that place and she's played herself and she's right. she's right where he wants it wants I think her. which which is I think exactly this whole season has really been. This is Shiv's storyline. It's like she came back in and slowly her bullying father has chipped away at at her ego, at her self-confidence. So that like the Shiv who said, I'm Shiv fucking Roy last season is like gone and got snookered by Rhea. Whereas like that season one Shiv maybe wouldn't have. She was smarter. She was more on the ball and thinking. And by the, by the time you get to this episode and she's chasing her father literally around the globe, she's kind of like wrecked. It reminds me of like women I speak to who have been like sexually discriminated against. And by the end of it all, they're like, maybe I'm not that smart. Maybe like my three Harvard degrees didn't mean anything. Blah, Gas- blah, blah. She's, she's been she's gaslit, gaslit by her father. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, she yeah. totally has. But this is also the, the Murdoch parallels, right? Like yeah. the, All of the Murdoch kids at some point or another, you know, 
left the family company, decided they were going to do something on their own because they didn't want to be competing for their father's affection and for senior jobs within, you know, Rupert's company. And they all wind up coming in in one way or another. And, you know, probably against their better judgment. It's 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 clearly the, one of the more Murdoch-y parts of um, the show. This episode of Slate Money is brought to you by Wondery which is a podcast company, and it makes a podcast called The Best One Yet. And it is a daily podcast hosted by Nick and Jack, who serve up three of the most interesting business news stories every day and why you need to know them in just 20 minutes. Do you want to hear about the $100 wedding dress that saved Abercrombie or which real tech acquisition is like Game of Thrones or the one financial equation that can finally solve climate change? That's the kind of stuff you find on The Best One Yet. So be in the know this year by starting your morning with The Best One Yet every weekday. Follow The Best One Yet on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. And for more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts with shows like The Best One Yet, How I Built This, Business Wars, and many more. Wondery means business. Well, when we were talking about this on the walk down, um, Candy, the one person here who has really no exposure to media, Twitter, um, <laughs> except adjacent to me and doesn't follow these things. I, I mean, I like, why would someone who doesn't care about media watch this show yeah oh <laughs> uh, yes. proximity proximity i was i think lydia started watching it i watched a couple of episodes and i was like i can't watch this it's i'm you know everyone is horrible right we the news is horrible people on the news is horrible are horrible i try to limit my exposure and so i stopped watching you know around episode three of and, season one of season one and then um she had it on and i was in the other room i was like it was episode six or seven. I was like, wow, what's happening? <laughs> um, and I started paying attention and then I had to go back and rewatch because I, I don't know. It just I was like, these people are horrible. I can't not look at them. These people like the similarities between our current like Murdoch's with it's just mind blowing. But I can't figure them out because to me now I watch as a uh, as someone fascinated with a really fucked up family. Yeah, more and I, than anything, right? And, and like that, the inter, interchange between the kids and the like that to me is the most interesting part. Mm-hmm. And the and the universality of that. I mean, you know, like to me the sort of final dagger was uh, in the there's clearly this battle going on between uh Logan and Caroline is the mother's name? Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, these 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 elephants and the children of the grass and you know, her final twist of the knife is to force the kids to go back to Logan <laughs> and say, would you rather give me your, you know, the estate in the Hamptons that I don't even want or like, or $20 million, but you give up the kids. And, you know, it's clear that it was not even a moment's hesitation for, um, right. for, uh, for, for Logan. For Logan you it's know? like, oh yeah, you go back <laughs> to your mom for Christmas. They're adult children. Like, how does the divorce settlement involve, like, right. who gets to spend Christmas with the adult children? That's just mind-boggling the, the, to the, me. The, the children the have of all become increasingly <laughs> infantilized over the course of both seasons, actually. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we saw that most of all with Kendall mm-hmm. in this episode where he spent spends most of the episode when he, looking like he's about five and about to burst into tears. Um, but all of them just become... S- increasingly infantilized by the more that the closer they become to their father and even to their mother and they just 
they can never grow up. They can never leave the the roles that they've been in all their lives. I guess if this was a like a quote unquote normal unloved children of horrible unloving parents, they would have left, left and right. not had anything to do with them. But the money is the string that keeps yeah. them tethered together. And someone like Rhea really seems to buy into this infantilizing mm. narrative. Like they, she's also infantilizing them. Pretty consistently, right? With the Shiv saying, you know, I know what it's like in fake feminists, like, I know what it's like to fight your way up through Mm this um, industry. And she has this whole, I don't know if if she's, you know, really into Greek tragedies, but like she makes two statements that are very, you know, kind of outsized, right? Like when Roman comes back and, you know, like, oh, you, you get, you better stab your eyes out. Like, you know, he's like Oedipus. He fucked over mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, she's trying to, like, both elevate them in their in their minds, but also ironically cut them down. In Can a, I? I mean, I, 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 yeah. I mean it's, it's interesting that you yeah. picked up on the theater thing because that's why – on the tragedy thing mm. because that's why Ray was there, right? Uh, allegedly right. to go see theater in oh, right. London. Right. Um, see theater, and she just yeah. caught a ride with Logan. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the weird rehabilitation of Roman over the past few episodes. Like, he was always the toddler with a hard-on, right? Mm-hmm. He was the joke <laughs> kid, right? Mm-hmm. But now, like, you actually have Jerry pulling him aside and saying, look, if you were serious about that whole power-sharing thing, and, like, actually kind of taking him seriously. And you had this line on the private jet between Rhea and Logan where Rhea's talking about the different kids, and she says, quote, Roman could actually be good, but nowhere near right now. And it seems like after making Roman this, you know, caricature joke for like one and a half seasons now they're trying to sort of say oh maybe there's this wild card in the mix and it could actually be roman even though we all just like looked at roman and took one look at him and went there's no way it can be roman right they're adding in this they're adding in this this weird bizarre option and that feels a bit wrong to me too i don't know well it's interesting i mean it does and it doesn't i mean roman to me has always seemed to be the one who's just completely without any sort of scruple or morals and i think that that's what's required to be as ruthless as logan roy and so you know to the outside world he has qualities that would seem to be um disqualifying and you know i mean i loved the malala roy line you know because it's clear (laughs) that this memo that shiv had written (laughs) had just landed with such an enormous thud um you know and and the way that it gets ruthlessly mocked on the plane is 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 extraordinary but also the way that the conversation between shiv and tom when they're entering logan's Mm. apartment and she's talking about how she was you know presumably wanting to move um atn a little bit towards the center and she's like very defensive about this and she's like i'm saying follow the ad revenue and tom replies and he says sure i think the cynicism was pretty clear (laughs) (laughs) it's clear even tom didn't like her memo right he keeps saying like why don't you show it to me like why it, yeah. it seemed to me that the implication was this memo was a clunker. It had an Amelia Earhart quote in it, which... Thomas Aquinas and Amelia <laughs> Earhart and lots of photos of multiracial children. Um, and Roman's wonderful line about it warmed even my racist heart. I think, I think there's some truth to that. Roman has the total lack of morality and the other two sort of have something stuck in them that is a little bit a little bit moral. Um, and yeah, Roman I, was the one who wanted to shut down Volta, right? Yeah, he didn't care about shutting down Volta. And then that move he did in season one where um, his his current girlfriend, I forget her name, the curly blonde hair, um, he's like... Is that Tiffany? No. no. Holly, maybe? No. 
No, I think Holly is um, is Connor's wife or oh, girlfriend. Wonderful. Well, anyway, yeah, she was the one who concubine. you know had a thing had a thing with Wan's Gams. Oh, right, and the yeah, yeah. and then yeah. he it was like very much a Logan esque kind of power play to like he right. has now his girlfriend he has her and she has this thing over his sister, you know, that he, she gave a blowjob to Tom Wamsgans. And now he he's brought her into the circle just to sort of lord it over him. I mean, there's it, a very Logan-y kind of move, I think. I also think that, that and this is going to sound really weird, but I think Roman has a kind of self-control that both Shiv and Kendall do not have, right? Kendall is an addict. He clearly has, you know, brought enormous embarrassment to his father from his behavior. And Shiv has clearly shown herself to have this um, impulsive, emotional, um, I mean, these all sound like very gendered terms, but this is certainly the way that it's portrayed, you know, that she had done a really good job of controlling and cloaking her ambition to run her father's company. But, you know, has has played her hand and played it badly. And Roman, in a weird way, I mean, clearly the guy does drugs, but not an addict or doesn't appear to be an addict. You know, his sexual behavior is weird, but not in a way that is. I mean, I think it was telling that the dirt that um, that. um, Cherry. Cherry is digging up, you know. It's like, did your personal trainer, like, wank you off at the end of your training sessions? I mean, that's pretty, you know, mild stuff, um, given given the standards of it's not the manslaughter. Day. It's not manslaughter, right? Exactly. Um, so in a weird way, Although, I would... like, and the weird thing is that he is actually guilty of manslaughter. This is the whole thing from season one, right? He actually blew up that rocket and oh, killed a bunch of people. Oh, but just lost a thumb or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but he doesn't care. Like, it doesn't actually penetrate his dermis right. whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. But it's also, I mean, that's the difference between, um, you know, one death is a tragedy and, you know, uh, it's, 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 you know, if you blow up a rocket through negligence, that's a very different thing um, in corporate America than it is to um, literally drive. So, you know, although Kendall wasn't driving. But literally leave someone to drown um, in a car because you're high off your. I think he was driving, wasn't he? He was. Oh, was Kendall driving? Yeah, he was driving. Oh, yeah. We 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 were re revisiting the accident and trying to piece together what exactly we should have rewatched that. Kendall, yeah, and then Kendall coming back in the middle of the night and. Shoving like what, like a couple hundred pounds through the. I was yeah, how much did he shove that? It did that? not seem like that much money. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was amazing. Like he didn't even have an envelope. It's like what yeah. kind of guy goes? He just went to the ATM and took out all his daily limit, maybe, and threw it in the mail slot. Have we seen the end of that storyline? No, no, right? I assume. I assume it comes back. Okay, maybe in season three. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, um, I had I had a question about Sandy. It was Sandy right the guy who runs the tabloids who did the story? Yeah. About who may the, or may not have syphilis? The drowning. Yeah. yeah. Is he? Is it supposed to be like um a Murdoch and the, you know the other guy, the Zuckerman? Zuckerman. Oh, is it supposed to be like more Murdoch and Zuckerman? Is Sandy supposed to be like Zuckerman? More Zuckerman, or maybe like um, and had tabloid war with? Or maybe like um. Robert Maxwell or mm-hmm. one of someone that one of those other media barons. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I needed to know that. Thank you. And because he also, owns he owns a rival tabloid in the UK. 
So it could be like Lord Rothermere. So I guess the episode also, so it leaves the manslaughter storyline kind of still hanging around. And then we also have sort of the continuation of the cruise storyline, where is this now this internal investigation going on? And he thinks it's going to be um, just like slipping into a warm bubble bath. Putting on the eagles and playing with himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And Logan starts off the episode turning to Marsha and saying all the cruise noise is a fucking nothing burger, mm-hmm. which clearly it isn't. It's clearly not a a, a nothing burger, but, um, you know, I was struck, um, and Candy, you had mentioned this, that the Greg and Tom scenes didn't really work for me. They didn't have the same Mm, sort of bite bite and spark. As the Greg and Tom scenes normally have. Yeah. Because they're a great double act normally. Totally. I think that when when I say that the show is queer, it's like this is such a – the Greg and Tom thing is like so – performative masculinity you know performance it's like he's going to light these papers on fire and it's like hold my beer dude like <laughs> what what is that guy like what is he trying to be you know what's he, what is he trying yeah, to yeah and say that, that thing where he actually says like if you don't do this i will break your yeah. legs like tom has never and could never and will never break anyone's leg <laughs> and the only person who would even dream that that was a credible threat is greg right it's not personal i just can't trust you so in a friendly way I'm staying here tonight. I'm going to travel in with you tomorrow, and I'm going to go with you to wherever you have the papers, and then later, together, we're going to dispose of them off-premises. And if you squeal, or you try to take copies, I'll break your legs. (laughs) And Greg's like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, like that whole, yeah. You know, he's trying to just have, like, a wine and cheese party at his house, and... You know, and what was that, like, some weird, like, third-way progressive talking shop thing? That it, he was it, no, to it was host? like, it was like, it seemed more about, like, self-actualization than politics. That was my, it, I, I forget exactly what it was called, but... Um, renewal something? The renewal, yeah. It felt to me more like a kind of, like, young corporates, um, you know, like... Um, yeah. We're planning the... Th- what did they say? The, welcome to the next generation. Welcome yeah. to the third wave or yeah. something. Yeah. They're, they're trying to right. elevate the world consciousness, just like <laughs> we work. Yeah, with biz- with business, with yeah. money. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. But let's let's stick on this for a minute, since you're here, and this is the this is the the sure. candy thesis. Explain the candy thesis of Succession being a deeply queer show. I just, you know, first of all, I am like a total Jerry Ron- Roman Stan. I think that's really. I just feel like fanfic is there. You know, they have to, there has to be some Jerry Roman fanfic. Um, and that Roman, like, he's a kinky guy. And that's what has kind of yet to be fully explored. It's been sort of hinted at. And uh, he loves to be humiliated. And that makes complete sense, right? We see why. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sure. see why with, you know, Logan, who, for him, love and fear are the same thing for, you know, his interaction with... You know all the kids, which makes you think. You know they've been hit before, right? It's not a it's not a one time thing, and the queerness between of what Roman seems to be actualizing with Jerry, but with you know even the being you know um, jerked off by the trainer. It's like, wow, that's that's your thing, and, and we yeah. know it's probably not because we have yet to see him actually have a physical yeah. sexual encounter with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think like there's a there's a real kind of queerness in the relationship between Tom and Greg. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, the, the water throwing, um, you know, wanting that fidelity <laughs> right. from him um, in Completely. the safe room episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's, to me, that's what it is. Because there's not, there's not queer, there are no, quote, queer people in the show, right? 
out well, there. Well, they're all. But I queer. find them all. There's something, you know, they're all like role playing. They're all, uh, you know, Jerry has this like very two sided way of being, right? Like very super masculine in, in her assertiveness, but she is always dressed in this like kind of bizarrely matronly way. And we only glimpse her sexiness when she's talking to someone like Roman. I felt um, like even in yeah. this episode where they really didn't yeah. interact that much, they still had a real chemistry. Like he looks at her with a soft – like when they were talking he and she was saying she was going to, you know, have private investigators investigate him. He looks at her with this very soft, loving look now mm-hmm. and they have this real chemistry. And I think she said in an interview that even in season one they were telling her to kind of amp up the chemistry with Roman. Like they have been – they were planning it all right. along, which mm. I think is fascinating. And then, of course, Connor is just deeply oh. dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, they're all dysfunctional. But, like, Connor's this kind of weird thing where he finds himself some hooker who, like, doesn't make – none He's of it makes sense. a playwright who – yeah. yeah. No, they all, they've all – but you, you see it all come out in this – in their – the examples of intimate relationships that they have – seen in their lives mm-hmm. you know that those are your role models for how you live your life and you know getting to spend more time with their mother i think was really really revealing um just to get a sense of how character is formed and then distorted by by money because i think you're right that if these were normal kids they would just have gone off to college and like found their own lives and moved on had their own children oh, right. to abuse yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i mean kendall has children but you never oh, right. see them and you never you know well he tries to hug them in episode continues. one and fails yeah he's just you know i mean their their ability to achieve any kind of intimacy all of them you know with one another as siblings you know parent to child you know with romantic partners they're all just like so broken and um you know for me this this was actually the least funny and bleakest episode of succession although um, bore on the floor was pretty bleak. oh wow yeah, but it, it was also funny. And I felt right. like the thing that was missing in this episode, and I think it was probably intentional, was the was, comedy. Was the comedy. Um, yeah. And I think that the Greg and um, Tom scenes were probably rightly not that funny because the thing that they're talking about is actually horrific. Um, you know, I mean, this, this, that, that there's been this massive cover up of, of, you know, sexual abuse and, and, you know, perhaps even murders of, um, of, of, of workers on this cruise ship. So it, I feel like this episode went to some very, very, dark places i think literally dark i mean i think the way it looked Mm. was Mm -hmm. especially that scene with kendall and logan in the car going to visit the family it's all blues and purples and very i mean like the visuals in the show are completely there was nothing warm there were no warm colors and i would say 80% 80% of the... Oh, finally, that, the visual yeah. artist on the yeah. show that can talk about these things. Yeah. Like, no, but it's true. When 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 Kendall yeah. goes re- returns to the house in the dark of night to push the money through the slot, and then he goes back to his mother, and he tries to have that, like, unburden himself to his mum, of all people, and it's very dark. And it's like quite this difficult, these things. Are they quite difficult? Because, you know, I'm very tired, Felix, and I don't think I can... <laughs> and then she does... do it over an egg. <laughs> And then she does this thing, okay, where you have this, like, emotionally stunted, a great English character actor playing, like, an emotionally stunted person who can't really come to terms with their, with themselves, getting embarrassed in the middle of the night and then leaving in the morning by leaving a note on the table is, can I just say that's with Nail and I? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Which, I mean, I don't know how many listeners of the Slate Money Succession Recap podcast are like <laughs> Withnail fans, but it's the greatest movie of all time, and it's straight out of Withnail. Huh. I, I've never seen it. Same. Also, to show how closed off this woman is, Shiv asks her, so... How are you? <laughs> and she gets mad. <laughs> She's like, oh, are we going to go into all that? <laughs> yeah. She gets mad. That's how. That's a, a big theme of this episode is no one wants to talk about anything. She doesn't want to say how she is. She doesn't want to hear the difficult things. Roman doesn't even want his father to apologize for hitting him. Like he yeah. doesn't want to even talk about it. That's right. how closed off emotionally these people are. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to connect. I mean, uh, to me with withholding and, you know, perhaps this is just my interest in Freud and and related things, but, you know, the like literally not nourishing um right. is, yes. is I think just star- <laughs> starving. <laughs> starving. Yeah. Okay, um, so wait, can we can I just jump in here cuz this is my favorite random thing that I just learned this week. So you know how Logan calls Roman Romulus. Yes. Right? Romulus, of course, is famously raised by wolves or a wolf. Okay. I don't know how many like Roman d- history nerds are. Do you know what the name of the wolf who suckled Romulus and Remus was? Rhea? No. no. I'm kidding. No. Rhea was their mother. Oh, that's <gasps> right. I knew that that was the... Wow. Rhea was the yeah. mother of Romulus and Remus. Whoa. Yeah. And the name of the wolf, this is my favorite little random fact, like the name of the wolf who suckled Romulus and Remus was Looper, which is the name of James Murdoch's private investment company. Whoa. Oh, wow. That's quite an Easter egg. <laughs> no, there's a lot. I mean, there, also, I noticed Roman is eating constantly in this episode. In the, in the plane, he's having honeydew of all things. Mm-hmm. Of all things. <laughs> Candy, when we were watching it, looks like we a nice melon. Candy, Candy turned to me and she's like, he's rich. Why is he eating honeydew? <laughs> Josh Barrow would disapprove. Like, like ter- oh, terrible. Like the ter- the worst it's, fruit. It's the worst what? fruit. A good honeydew is delicious. The problem is it's often very, very bad. That's a different I, podcast. Maybe, maybe it was. <laughs> I, 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 I could go deep Maybe, on maybe it was like Japanese honeydew. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Special honeydew. Oh, yeah. Right. It's yeah, billionaire honeydew. Billionaire <laughs> honeydew tastes better. He is eating all yeah. the time. What's up with that? Don't know. He needs his well, eggy pegs, and he's like feed. But but I mean, maybe it's the it's that he's feeding himself, right? And I like, and this is to sort of further your theory, right? That that this notion that Roman is somehow able to get his needs met and therefore doesn't lash out. He doesn't become an addict. He doesn't, you know, um, expose himself in the way that Shiv did with the uh, with the pierces, mm-hmm. um, and that that he can somehow nourish himself and take care of himself in a way that the other children kind of can't. Mm-hmm. He's like this wild animal raised by wolves, wolves. Wave, and therefore can take um, care of himself. The wiliest wow. one. And maybe maybe he'll wind up founding Rome. Maybe. Oh, another thing I need to just tell you is that Logan doesn't wear a seatbelt. I, I noticed I, that. That was a very deliberate wow. choice in yeah. all the car scenes. The kids yeah. have one on yeah. and he's like, fuck it. Yeah. No seatbelt. Yeah. Was Logan, now it's coming back to me. I didn't notice this at the time, but was he sitting in the back of the car with his suit? Button done up. Yes. Oh. Why would you do that? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a suit. It was more it was of like a, a coat. Jack, a coat. Yeah. yeah. It was more of a. But coat. when you sit down, yeah. you unbutton your button. That's like what? Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> I felt. I felt that this episode was the frailest and um, least powerful that Logan looked. Um, he was running since... away from his daughter the entire episode. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, when he turns around, and goes, "I've never run away from anyone." Like, We've just seen you run away from your daughter <laughs> in like three different situations. And he's clearly leaning on Rhea, right? I mean, he's kind of found, and not Marsha. Uh, 
And uh, definitely not Marsha. Because they have that little scene on the steps at the beginning, and then he, like, abandons his wife. You know, I've this has been my, like, running theme through this podcast. It's like, Marcia, Where's Marsha? Where's Marsha? But, yeah, Marsha seems Marcia, to have been Marcia, forgotten. Marcia. She's done. Right, I mean, he's he's, he's thrown on to her Rhea over now. to Rhea, yeah. but I think I think we're going to come back around to Marsha because there's just too much there. You know, the investment in character development that they've expended on her in the in the um, Turnhaven episode that's got to come back around somehow. Also, I feel like they laid out the numbers for us pretty well, so now we know they own what is it, thirty four percent? They have thirty six, thirty six, and then and then. Mom has another three percent, and then this mysterious Ulsterman has four percent. That fat bastard. Who is the mysterious Ulsterman <laughs> in Cheltenham? Do we know anything about the Ulsterman? We just know he has a big appetite, and apparently Caroline can help. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Caroline. She'll, she'll throw what that does in. That for, mean? She'll she'll throw that in for free. <laughs> yeah, if if you give me your three children for yeah. Christmas, then. <laughs> I'll give you the Elstman. And $20 million. And $20 million, which is, you know. But I feel like they were breaking down the, like, couldn't Marsha, like, team up with the Roy children and, like, leverage their shares? Like, yeah, it's 36% if they all stick together, but I don't know how much Logan individually Well, that was the whole whole plot of season one, right? Right. Was that Kendall was going to take his shares and vote them with Stewie. Right, yep. So, yeah, the kids vote their own shares, but everyone assumes that the kids are going to stick with Logan, which I think is a reasonable assumption. One of I'm, the, I'm waiting for Shiv to rise up. One of like, the interesting in- things I noticed about the negotiation around the dining room table in with, with mum was that we saw the original conversation between Logan and Roman, where Logan is like, offer 10, but I'll go up as high as, as, high as 50, but don't go as high as 50 because I'll be very annoyed. And then... Roman comes out, he says, well, he said to offer 10, but he'll go up as high as 40. And mum immediately knows, oh, well, so you mean 50, right? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. And, she, and, 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 and she says, you're bad at this. Mom, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She says, you're bad at this. She knew exactly what was happening. And Shiv knew exactly what was happening. And Shiv was like, Roman doesn't even know the real number. Like, right. he could go up to 200. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he, Roman has no idea what the real number is. Both Siobhan and her mother have a better idea of how Logan operates than Roman does. Mm. So I don't think Roman is ready to take over. So where are we going next? I mean, are we building up to Rhea becoming CEO and like taking everything over? Are the is there going to be some kind of like counter move by the Roy children? Like I well, the big I, thing I, is I want to uh, know. The big thing is the public naming of the successor, right? Right, mm-hmm. that's the driving everything. because that was part of that's when everything. when they have that little video which is sent out and they're like corporate governance, blah blah <laughs> blah, and he hasn't named a successor. They're really pushing mm-hmm. this MacGuffin, mm-hmm. you know. But I think I think that um, uh, my prediction, and I, I generally try to avoid predictions, but I feel as though Logan is playing for time, and the Rhea Gambit, the Rhea Gambit is is part of playing for time. I don't think that it means that he's made up his mind that he's not going to name one of his children as his successor, but. Um, just as he used Rhea to um, to put off Shiv and um, give him an excuse to get out of it. I mean, I think he says, you know, thanks for getting that noose off from around my neck. You know, I think that this toying with Rhea is also a way for him to kind of vamp a bit and keep playing for more time. I, I personally would be very surprised if he left the company, if he, if he named a successor who was not one of his children. But, um, you know, I guess anything. Can and is he like literally playing for time, like... For his life, essentially, because if he's not running this company, he might as well be dead. And he's now in his 80s, and it's just like a fight against time, basically. 
that's kind of dark. I, I support. I, I think that's right. That. Now I feel sad. Someone cheer me up. Give me a good line. All right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what my favorite line is. I kind of, I mean, I think just in terms of sheer sort of Iannucci, you know, over the topness, that bit about, Greg, you're a criminal mastermind. What polyglot genius could ever hope to crack your impenetrable code? <laughs> was pretty good. Secret. I felt like this episode was not as rich in great lines, in part because it was not rich with humor. Um, right. It felt like... The best lines uh, are the funny lines, right? The best mm-hmm. lines are the funny lines. Uh, and there were some that, you know, as someone who works in media, particularly in, in digital media, you know, made me wince. Like when Reyes said, the next Zucker fucker comes along and swallows <laughs> you whole, shits you out as an app. And I was like, close to the bone. <laughs> you would yeah. never. I, saw that. I don't know if you guys saw this, but... When Naomi is leaving and he's asking and Logan's asking after the cousins and, you know, Nan everything, he gives her a subtle finger. Um, what? Really? Yeah. 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 He do- totally flips her the bird. He says, wow. he says, give him, give him my, give give him my, my fucking best or yeah. something like that, you know. And then he sort of scratches his face <laughs> yeah. in this wow. way. Yeah, that's he's so like totally giving her the bird. And it was, a, it was a great visual joke. So it was a gesture instead of a line. This, well, that's this good. That was an amazing yeah. scene. Like he that. wouldn't yeah. even say, like, hello to her. Yeah. That was, he just iced her out like mm. a child. Harsh. I was kind of impressed by that because even when I hate someone, I'll be like, hi, how are you? In fact, Especially you when you hate someone. <laughs> yeah. It, you need to be full-on billionaire to be openly to be like, fuck dismissive off. of the people you hate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's but true. But he loves to be hated also, right? He yeah, does. he relishes. With the whole yeah. plan big with people who hate you. Yes. You know, hate and love. What's the difference? He, just, it's, he, he definitely yeah. gets off on it. I mean, Roman had some good lines this this episode, the humor question notwithstanding. Um, in the plane when he says, Roy boys on oh, tour, we got him in all sizes, large, medium, and cuck. <laughs> that was my line. Now i got to find another Sorry. one. Another queer. Oh, he another good, queer reference. Yeah. I mean, that's not super that queer, but it's <laughs> a little queer. The other good Roman line, which I feel like sums up the whole episode, was in the beginning when he says to Shiv, are your nips hard? They must be because you are so out in the cold. <laughs> I, the line that sticks with me because we just because of how rare it is is at the end when Roman comes back to Logan and manages to get him off with a mere twenty million dollars onto the divorce settlement, and he pats him on the cheek and he goes, "Good boy, good boy," <laughs> like he's a dog. And he yeah. likes it. And Roman he was loves happy. it. Yeah. And it's like literally the best thing to happen to Roman in probably a decade. They play out this whole, I mean, I feel like I'm not a child of divorce, but it instantly mm. seems like this is what the children of divorce deal with for their whole lives. The parents are fighting over and they use them as pawns. And at the end of the day, the kids know how to work that whole system to get the praise that they want. Like when Logan was laughing when they were making fun of how little food the mom serves, like Kendall and Roman both started smiling too because they were so happy to make him yep. laugh. Right. right. And then sick dynamic. And then Logan is like laughing at Roman's jokes when they're talking about Shiv's memo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's when they're most happiest is when they're like just stabbing each other they're in the back. They're able to bond over, over stabbing. Okay. We're, we're, we're what? We're putting the concept of Siobhan on the table for general discussion here? And tearing apart my sister's pious bullshit for your entertainment? I had to dream like this once. It's just good to air some views. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the twin quotes from Thomas Aquinas and Amelia Earhart really <laughs> kick us off with a bang. Wow, so many pictures. All the smiling children, all the various hues. That, that melted the heart of even this hardened racist. <laughs> 
This isn't a funny moment, but I, one that really stuck out to me that I found incredibly poignant is when Kendall washes his water glass <gasps> and dries it and in the, the home of the, the young man who died. That, that to me, I was like, wow. I also, yeah, I fixated on that, too, because you never see them doing anything remotely mm-hmm. like that, cleaning, cooking, anything. And this is the first time he's, he's like, wiping the glass with the rag, and yeah. it's so sad. Yeah. Ugh. You see, he has feelings. Yeah, but it's funny. It's a water glass, right? How dirty could it be? Right. Like, That's what I really, thought, too. Yeah, I would have like, just rinsed it. Yeah. I'm really going to make sure I... Is, is that yeah. like a Lady Macbeth thing? Oh, that's what I was going to say. I mean, coming back to Candy's point yeah. about Oedipus and about, you know, the tragedy references, um, definitely thinking of, of Macbeth and trying to... Or just trying to remove his DNA, which would presumably not be relevant. Oh, um, But Logan this, definitely uh, ties him... Like, that's the whole point, right? Of right. taking him. It's he's tied completely now to the family he really thoroughly, is. internally and externally. I mean, that's what that's what Logan says yeah. to him. We should stick together on this. You know, that's um, that that's exactly the, what the he face says. that so Emily is making. Right. Yeah. Emily. Yeah. Logan is, is a nasty piece he's of work. He's a bad dad. Bad dad. Bad dad. Bad dude. Bad mom. Um, it's a bit late for home truths, isn't it? That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line. That was that a very is good, a good line. line. Yeah. Yeah, Candy, did you say like your line? Oh, yeah, I didn't that say. was just the finger. There were so uh, many lines. Um, <laughs> I have to say, the whole like clam, you know, you go to the, the mom says, um, go to the Hamptons house to have clam bakes with people who hate him. Um, <laughs> that to me is so revealing on so many levels about mm-hmm. the dynamics between them, but also who Logan is in his core, which is a horrible person um, who can't differentiate and doesn't want to differentiate between love and fear and all the you know he has no emotional um barometer well he literally says that at the beginning of the episode right when he's standing with uh, marcia he says love fear whatever she Mm -hmm. says they still love you and he says love fear whatever um so that that was a uh, a good framing moment um the other thing that um related to the to the clam bakes you know his former wife is clearly very posh right um she is about as posh as Peak it can. posh, right? Most and, posh. Ultra in, posh. In that, you know, and the sort of echo with the pierces in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that, a very different, it's not It's, it's a not very different. Posh. No, it's not waspy posh. It's not American posh. But it's like of, of lands that he has conquered, posh lands that he's conquered and different types of poshness. Um, the weird thing that struck me is that these three kids are all English. I mean, they all have an English mom. They all, they're obviously all like deeply familiar with England and the ways thereof. But they also all seem to just find it completely alien and strange. There's like, as someone who, you know, my mother was German, I go to Germany a lot, and I feel, you know, a little bit German. I don't, I'm not 100% comfortable there, but I don't treat it like this bizarre, strange country, which is completely alien to me in the way that, you know, Shiv and Roman are like walking around the grocery store going, what is this strange thing? (laughs) Strange wartime food, museum for wartime food. I thought they were just being rich kids that don't go into like basic stores stores like that, you know? No, I agree. But I think that to to me, that really pointed to like how firmly they had chosen sides, right? Mm. And and it's not like their father's American, but his life is Mm. originally American. But but this is is the difference with the Murdoch right who all are quite happily both american and australian at the same time and embrace both sides felix how posh do you have to be to serve pigeon with buckshot in it that's (laughs) super i mean you have to be really posh to get away with that i would think so or unposh i don't know you would be surprised (laughs) how like 
easy it is to wind up getting served a piece of meat with shot in it in England because <laughs> because it's I mean in in it actually is the right way to organize society is that if you kill animals then you eat them um that's what you should do when you kill an animal and yeah. in in the United States if you shoot an animal you are allowed to eat it yourself but you're not allowed to sell it to anyone in England you can shoot an animal and sell it to the butcher who will sell it at the market and so it's not that's all an, they'll be eating soon, right it's after not, Brexit. Exactly. It's not an ultra, ultra posh thing, but the idea of like, if you haven't seen your kids in years and they're coming over and right. you, you're like, it has some shot in it. And the, the shot might have like passed through a feather as it was going in. So there might be a little bit of a feather inside. You're like, oh. Oh, uh, the other thing that I noticed about that scene was she doesn't offer them any wine. She brings the the bottle of wine in. Her glass is still half full. There appears to be wine in the bottle that's sitting on the table. But she goes and gets another bottle and puts it right next to herself and doesn't pass it around. I mean, it was just... It was just a kind of an amazing moment. Yeah, I thought she had finished an entire bottle of wine by herself because they they show the kids' glasses and they're empty. Yeah, they're the empty. Whole time. Yeah. And but she, she, I yeah, they, she's drunk. The kids have wine glasses. They're just yes. not drinking for whatever reason. Yeah. And that's yeah. Kendall's thing. They're not drinking. Drinking. Oh, drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She's just. I mean, she's so gloriously watchable. The mother, though, like yeah. you can't. So, another I mean, older lady to put into the collection. It is. It's. It's just like it's the most fabulous. Like, you wrote that wonderful article about all of the amazing, like mm-hmm. you know. Especially season two, it's all about the women. Women, all yeah. about these powerful. Old we'll women. see what happens with Rhea, though. Will well, she be powerful by the end? Uh, I'm, Tune in I'm, next week. I'm really excited to see what happens with Rhea because she has emerged as a a villain to rival Logan. I yeah, mean, yeah, my absolutely. God, she's she's the only one. Player. She's the only one who can be as like who can see as many moves ahead. Who can be as cunning? Although even she like completely stepped in it with Nan and wound True. up you know having the garden you know hoe like mash up into her face i mean holly hunter is just such an incredible actress because shiv is buying what she's dishing out but you could also see watching her that it's totally fake right yeah. i mean totally right. disingenuous just something she's like i really so smart that bit where her. she's like you know i think i want to sleep with your dad basically and you're like Ooh. <laughs> and she would do that just to sort of do a favor for logan right right i but mean it's so skeevy yeah, skeevy, skeevy. Well, my conniving. one hope for the next episode is that it be a little bit more fun. More jokes. Mm-hmm. More jokes. Mm-hmm. More jokes. Yeah, yeah because Where's I mean like Connor, where's Connor been? Where's Connor? Yeah. Like yeah, how's his presidential campaign going? Take us to Iowa or something. Yeah. What's what's <laughs> the um the title of the next episode? Jasmine, because this is this is what what Taffy says, right? Is you can There's clues in the title. There's clues in the title. I mean Although if I'd seen Argestes. Yeah, Argestes, who knows what Argestes. Right. Oh, yeah. PS, someone who works at Huff Post <laughs> has spotted an Argestes t-shirt out in the wild. Whoa. So if anyone knows anything about Argestes logoed t-shirts, I would like to know about it. So please would, email us. Yeah, I mean I've I've made some of my richest media contacts Argestes. <laughs> <laughs> As a non-media person, that was a really. I, I kept asking Lydia. I was like, "Does that is that real? Like, what's it based on? The whole vest culture? The oh, the vests. Um, the vests are real. I the vests are very real. Yeah, that was a little bit. Uh, talk about visual. I was like, oh, too many vests. <laughs> too much. Yeah, very vest. Seventy-five dollar cops. All right, Jessamine. <laughs> Dundee. That was that was mentioned. That was mentioned in the context of. 
Logan's itinerary. When he like had to change his itinerary and suddenly fly to London, and they were like, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, they said something about, and then we'll just do Dundee after that, and then Christchurch. Christchurch. But like, you cannot get two cities further away from each other than Dundee and Christchurch. They literally are on opposite sides of the planet. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming this is the Scottish Dundee. I would think so. But that's not going to be like the Ulsterman. Because he's down I in Cheltenham. I want to see the Ulsterman so bad. Who is know? the Ulsterman? There are so many like mysterious things going on which they haven't answered yet. Like, who is the Ulsterman? Why does he own four percent of the company? And what is in Dundee? And what is in Christchurch? We, and what did he do in Ulster? Yeah. <laughs> we need to find out more about Logan's upbringing, right? And what turned him out to, how he turned out to be so exactly. And how did um, he get those scars on his back? Emotionless and yeah, and twisted and scarred and bad. How did he turn so bad? Particularly after such a gruesome episode that yeah. paints him in such a bad light. So, Ooh, so he, exciting. Maybe, What's going to happen maybe, next? Maybe it's going to be like, you know, we'll, we'll start feeling sympathy for Logan when he goes up to Dundee and finds – is he Scottish? Is Logan think, Scottish? Well, Brian Cox is Scottish, right? But I think – I mean, Logan is a good Scottish name, right? Yeah, I think I – think, Logan is Scottish. His brother was called Ewan, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Logan and Ewan are two yeah. great Scottish names. So Dundee is going to be like old family. Ooh. Yeah. This is exciting. Okay, so we get to we get to find out some Logan backstory next episode. On which note, Candy, Lydia, thank you so much for coming in. We will be watching the next three episodes and then that's it for the season. Wow. Too yeah. soon. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.